Remember what we're doing now, okay? Second Chronicles 7, verse 14. You guys remember? And those of you that are, you know, we're in our, our, our discipleship part now, we're going to be going to the book of Genesis. While you turn, let me uh, fill you guys in. Second Chronicles 7, 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then God said, I will hear their prayers, I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their lands. God will heal our nations. You know, we've never needed God more than we need him right now all over the world. You know, uh, from Syria to, uh, to what's happening uh, in Cambodia and Laos, you know, Vietnam, the church in China, you know, in, uh, in South America and Colombia and Nicaragua, all over the world, especially here in the United States as well. We need God. We need him now more than ever. And uh, our recognition of our dependence upon him is something that opens the ears of God. The Bible says that God's eyes are over the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. When we move ourselves into right standing with God, uh, James, the fifth chapter says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous individual exercises the force necessary to overcome the obstacles. That's what availeth much means, okay? The effectual fervent prayer, that means the hot, active, boiling prayer. It means the prayer that you're engaged in. It means your sincere heart. You're pouring out your heart to God in sincerity. A sincere prayer to God will exercise the force necessary to overcome the obstacles in our lives. Sometimes, by the way, what we are praying for is not the obstacle. Sometimes we uh, need to change ourselves. Sometimes prayer changes much, uh, changes us as much as it changes anything else. Amen. Amen. All right. Look at somebody and say, okay, are you ready? Oh, come on now. One more time. Okay. Are you ready? <laughs> All right. Have you found the book of Genesis yet? You know, we are strategically discipling not only, uh, uh, our, 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 uh, church, but people all over the world are following this course. And so, you know, as, as you're following this, we're building it one block at a time, one block. That means this, that, that we are actually doing our best to strategically build the life of a believer in discipleship. Do you know that Jesus, if all he wanted to do, if all he needed to do was just save your soul from sin, if all he needed to do was just pay for sin, he could have done that day one in Bethlehem. He would have been a perfect sacrifice, the son of God, the son of man. He could have given his life and his blood was, 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 was uh, pure enough to have paid for redemption. He could have literally been killed by Herod, you know, uh, and, and sacrificed. Uh, uh, but, but the reality of it is, is that he hung around 33 plus years. Why did Jesus hang around for, for 33 plus years? Why did he, uh, you know, expose himself to such ridicule? And, and walk in this earth, an earth that was at, you know, so beneath uh, the throne of his glory. How did he, why? Well, it was to raise up runners for the next lap. He knew the importance of discipleship, and he poured himself into the lives of others so that others could carry the work. He passed the baton to them, and it's still that way today. We are still called. The Great Commission tells us of Matthew 28, tells us to go into all the world and make disciples. The Bible doesn't even necessarily, uh, you know, in, 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 uh, in that passage, just tell us to go and, and, and uh, tell everybody, but it does tell us to go and make disciples of all nations. And so that's what we're strategically doing here. Block number one was the reality that there's only one God. 
Let me catch you up on that. The fact of the matter is there's one truth. There can only be one truth. Two truths cannot prevail. Two religions cannot be true. That's, that's the truth. That's just the logical truth. For any one religion to be true, uh, it cancels out another religion. And you say, well, wait a second. What about the religion that all roads lead to heaven? Then that religion canceled out all the other religions. <laughs> right? Because as Christians, we claim that there's only one way to heaven. It's Jesus Christ. All right? Muslims, for example, believe that Allah and Muhammad is his prophet. And that's the way. Hindus, they have 330 million gods and goddesses. And, uh, you know, uh, don't hurt the cow. That's my grandmother. Or step on the thing, you know, uh, that, that, uh, the bug. That, you know, that can get you in trouble kind of thing, okay? Different people believe different things. Well, Joshua said in Joshua 24, verse 15, he said, listen, if you really believe that Baal is God, if you really believe that the gods of your fathers that they served on the other side of the Jordan River, the gods of the Amorites, the Hivites, if you believe that they are God, then you better serve them. That's all God asks. Make a decision. You know? You know, there are a lot of people believing a lot of gods, and there's some people believing one God. But in order to be a believer in Jehovah as Almighty God and Jesus Christ, His Son, we have to choose to believe that and that alone. It's just a choice. And that's what Joshua said. He said this, if you believe that Baal is God, serve him. You know, God is not afraid of you making a choice. In fact, he wants you to make a choice. He said, but as for me and my house, let me tell you what we believe. We believe that Jehovah Almighty is God and me and my house, we will serve him. Well, it's a choice, okay? And it's time to make a choice because there are things that we should stand up for. There are things that we should be willing to declare. There are some non-negotiable absolutes. So don't be timid, shy, or afraid. Don't think that, that, uh, that, uh, uh, um, that tolerance is all there is to life. Okay? Because the reality is there is a limit beyond which tolerance is a virtue. Okay? And to tolerate all roads lead to heaven in the name of some religion will end up denying everybody. Okay? So choose today who you'll serve. Okay? One God. There's only one God and only one truth. You just decide which one it is. Number two, we talked about last week creation. You know, uh, God created the heaven and the earth. God, you know, fill the earth with, with, with all the animals and the plants. He's a God of priority. He made, he made the grass before he made the cows. Okay? He's a God of priority. Okay? He, uh, he, he's, he, he, he separated the water from the water and created air, created the atmosphere before he made the birds. You know, he created the fruit trees and things that man were going to eat before he created man. And tonight we're talking about man. You know, God not only created the heavens and the earth and filled the earth with, with all the plants and the animals in a, in a, in a, in a, in a prioritized manner, in a, in a priority of creation. But, uh, and by the way, the Big Bang Theory, you know, just, just make some solid decisions. The Big Bang Theory, the theory of evolution, neither one of those can account for all of the creation aspects. Remember, God never intended to tell us everything. We don't know everything, Okay. Even though the Bible does not contain all truth, please don't misunderstand me, okay? I'll explain that in a moment. The Bible may not contain or does not contain all that there is to know. But everything in the Bible is true. That's the decision 
we as believers make. If you do not believe that, then you're not a believer. That's the truth, okay? Believers believe God's Word. Why did I say the Bible does not contain all there is to know, does not contain all truth? Because the Bible does not tell you how to change a diaper. Okay? Now, you'll need to know that. God never intended to tell you everything you need to know. God, God does not tell us everything we need to know. He did not tell us how Mary's mother and daddy felt about her getting pregnant. He didn't tell us. We don't know. You might say, well, did she have a mom and dad? You don't know. I mean, you know she had one, but we're, I mean, you know, because, because the Bible does tell one story. It tells the story God is telling. The Bible does not answer every question. It doesn't tell you whether you should go to Walmart or whether you should go to Target. The Bible's not going to, you know, tell you, thus saith the Lord kind of thing, okay? Uh, uh, you have your own opinions. And, uh, but when the Bible speaks, the Bible speaks above our opinion. When the Bible says something and somebody else says something else, when, when archaeologists, anthropologists, geologists, uh, you know, whomever else, philanthropists, who are they over the ISTAR, uh, when, when they say something that contradicts the Bible, they are wrong. God made the heavens and the earth, okay? And he filled them up in six days, you know, six, 24 hours, the evening and the morning were the first day, the second, no, I mean... That's, that's what God did. And he made it. Hebrews 11 says, uh, in verse 3, that he made everything that we now see out of things that we would not have seen if we'd have been there. He made them, as we understand, out of nothing. That's the truth, okay? So let's get established on the truth. Just catching us up. Okay, block number three, man. Well, Genesis is the first chapter. Verse 26, the Bible says, then... God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Isn't it good to know that you have dominion over all creeps? That's pretty good, isn't it? Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Now, here's the reality of what God did. On the, on the sixth day of creation, God created man in his own image. And then he divided them into male and female, into two different specific genders. He gave each gender certain capacities and certain responsibilities that would enable them to fulfill God's will and God's plan and God's role for them on planet Earth. That's the way God made them. Verse 28. Then God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. If we go to Genesis, the second chapter, in verse 7, we find the Bible tells us how God made man. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, that's his body, he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, that's the spirit, and man became what mankind is, a living soul, a living, unique individual. Your own thoughts, your own desires, your own will, your own determination, a living, unique 
individual soul made in the image and the likeness of God and given by God certain capacities and certain abilities according to God's will and God's plan, that's how God created man. Verse 18, the Bible tells us that after God created Adam, he found out that it was not best, he said. The Lord said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper, make him a helper comparable to him. I'm going to create someone with why? Because God never intended for God's relationship with man to take the place of man's relationship with man. Verse 21, the Bible tells us how God did that. The Lord God, he caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and Adam slept. And God took one of the ribs from Adam, closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her, he brought this woman to the man. Now I encourage you to read all of Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2 as well as some other scriptures that, that will lead into what God did and why God did it this way. But let me tell you, you know, in a, in a commentary what God is getting across to us about man. Okay? First of all, as I told you, God created man on the sixth day. It was the last thing, this, this is the last thing, the last creation that God made. Man's very first day of existence, the first morning man got up, for example, man's first day was God's seventh day. It was the day of rest. This indicates to us that man, you and me, woman, man, two men, one with a womb, woman, man, that you and I were created first to rest in God's finished work. We were created to rest with God. God did not create man on the first day so man could tell God how to do his business. So man could weigh in on what he wanted. So man could get his two cents in. God created man after he'd created everything else, indicating to us as we conclude that man was first invited to rest with God in his finished work. And God purposed as well uh, that man would have dominion. That's what he said in Genesis 1 and, and verse uh, uh, 28. He said, then he blessed man and said to man, you know, be fruitful, multiply, you know, uh, replenish the earth and have dominion. What is dominion? Dominion is the right and the power to govern and control. What does that mean? That God intended for mankind to be above the rest of his creations that he filled the earth with, and he intended for mankind to govern and rule, the right and the power to govern and control all of God's creation. God put man in charge, in place as a steward, someone who was to manage all of God's creation as a steward. And, and he gave mankind the power and the the right to stand in the position above the animals, above all of the other creations of God. You know, we are not evolved from some other, uh, 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 you know, species of life. Or, or we're, we, we, we did not come from monkeys or from, from some single cell, uh, you know, uh, microorganism that crawled up out of some slimy pit. 
We were created by the hand of God. Man was, and man was invited to rest and, and encouraged to have dominion over all of God's work. And we were created, the Bible says, in the likeness and in the image of God. What does that mean? That means we're like God. Well, Genesis 2, 7 showed us how God created us. He created us one person. I am one person, but he created me in three parts. Genesis 2, 7, he delineated those parts. He formed the body, that's one part, of the dust of the ground. He breathed in my nostrils the breath of life, that's the spirit, and man became a living soul. I have three, according to God, three identifiable parts. I am one person, but I am in three parts. Three identifiable, just like God, as we know God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, one God. There is only one God. There's not three gods. There's one God, but we know him as a trinity, as a holy trinity. He made us like him. Okay? One individual, yet three distinguishable, identifiable parts to this one being. Once God created man, as I said, he not only uh, uh, created Adam, but he looked and realized that Adam was alone. He was lonely. God, as I said earlier, never intended for his relationship with man to take the place of man's relationship with man. You see, God wants us to be responsible for two great relationships. One great relationship is our relationship with him, our primary relationship with God. A second is our relationship with one another. God encourages and intends and desires that we would also be stewards, not only of a relationship with him, but stewards over relationship with one another. In fact, when God designed the law of Moses and when God designed even the commandments, he said in these two Things could be could sum up all in two commandments would sum up all the commandments. Number one, how we treat God, and number two, how we treat one another. That is the beginning in Genesis, in the creation of man. Whether man or woman, whether male or female, uh, you are a unique individual. This is a building block in every believer's life. It's important that as we grow as a believer, that we learn what to believe. So what we learn from the creation of man that believers should believe and hold on to, the firm facts, the truth of God's word, is that everyone, every person, each individual is a unique individual designed by God. Created to rest in what God wants. That means as we are stewards over God's grace, we can rest in His finished work. You see, God has already finished the work. And we are to rest while we are working and managing and stewarding what He has already completed. He gave us dominion over all of the works of His hands. He destined us. To live forever. You as a unique individual will live forever. Our only connection to God is through the Spirit. It's His own breath that gives us His own life, His own Spirit that gives us our connection to God. Without the Spirit, we have no connection to God. One day... 
your earthly body will die. It will, without regard to how old you are today and without regard and without respect to how long you will live, your earthly body will die. But once your body perishes, you will continue to live. You will live forever, for far beyond this life. The only question is, where will you live? Let me cover some important points with you, okay? Number one point tonight that is important that we as believers, that we embrace, is that every individual is like God. We are one person. We are three parts. We serve a triune God. We know God as God the Father. In fact, the only thing God ever wanted to be was a father. That was his only desire of life. And when it's all said and done, the only thing that God will have left to show for all of his hard work is family. That's all he'll have left. God is a father. God is also the son. We know that the word of God took upon flesh and dwelled among us, and we beheld his image as of the only begotten of the father. God is also the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not an experience. The Holy Spirit is God. We are made like God. One person, three parts. Number two, every individual is designed to have dominion over God's other creations. That means this, that we should not be put on par with trees. Humans should not be put on par with animals. We should not be placed on the same level as, as other God's other creations. You and I, mankind, was created. We were created. Every individual is designed by God to exercise the right and the power to govern and control all of God's other creations. You are more than just an animal. You never were an animal. It's impossible that you or any of your ancestors were ever animals. Okay? Impossible. Unless you want to believe another truth. And then, like Joshua said, believe whatever you want to. Believe what you believe and live what you believe. But as for me and my house, we weren't animals. Okay? <laughs> Number three. Every individual is invited to rest with God in his finished work. You know, even though we steward our lives, our families, and we are stewards of the earth, as we should be, as we should take care of the things God has given us, nonetheless, we must realize that God has given us a finished work wherein we can rest. God has already accomplished and done everything important that needs to be done. He does not have to work in order to save you or save your soul. He has a finished work. God has already completed and invited us to rest in his finished work. Number four, you are a unique individual with special value. It's important that we realize that God has created each individual as an individual. And he has uniquely gifted each individual 
with certain abilities, certain capacities. We should not ever judge ourselves by someone else. The scriptures tell us that if we judge our life by someone else, we will be putting ourselves to a great disadvantage and displeasing God because you are the only you there is. You are the only you God made like you. God designed you for special purpose and you have a special value. You're unique. Just be the best you that you can be for God. God does not want you to try to be someone else. And number five, the reality is tonight, as God created man, that you will live forever. If you will buy into the reality that you're going to live forever, the only question is where? Then you can begin to make your earthly decisions, your daily decisions of life, based upon an eternal perspective. You see, you, how you are, how you feel, what you think, what you want, you will live forever. You will exist forever. The only question is where. Where will you live forever? How do you know that you're saved? How do you know for certain if you died, you'd go to heaven? Pray this prayer with me and you can know that if you died, you'd go to heaven. Lord Jesus, I realize that I've sinned against you, but I'm willing to repent. I choose to turn away from being a sinner. And right this moment, I open the door of my heart and I take you, Lord Jesus, into my heart, into my life to be my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into my heart and saving me today. Now, if you prayed that prayer, we want to help you get started in your Christian life. I would like to send you a letter. We'll send you some other information so that you will be able to grow as a Christian and learn how to share Christ with others. Remember the three R's, realize, repent, and receive. Please contact us by writing to us calling us or emailing us so that we'll be able to communicate with you and have a relationship with you. Find a real Bible-believing, worshiping church. Unite with that church so you'll have a pastor. But stay in contact with us so we'll be able to help you along in your Christian life. Remember, call us, email us, or write to us so we can help you get started in your Christian life. God has great things for you.